Well, welcome, 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 welcome. Man, this is a special day uh, here at church, and it's not just because, yet again, we are in the middle of a first time in a very, very long time, meaning that for the first time in a long time, we have kids stuff this morning, and all the parents said amen, right? First time in a very long time, we're going to be meeting as a North Campus tonight at 5 p.m., uh, and that's super exciting. Uh, also, it's special because in the house, day one on the job, our new North Campus pastor, Mr. Chris Pletcher, is in the house, which is awesome. Uh, and the Hargraves are here, I believe. Are they here in, in the other? There they are in the back. They serve for us overseas. But that's not even the, the super cool news. The super cool news is that it's our birthday. So that side of the room's excited. This side of the room's confused. Yeah, it's our Thank you, Brookie. I'm sure that at home, everybody is just like jumping around, running in circles. Children are being thrown in the air uh, because there's nothing better than a birthday. And our team has, has spent some time this week trying to grab hold of just a few of the, the, the highlights of what happened this last year. This has been a wild year. Can we just all agree with that? And, and God has been moving in the midst of the crazy. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And here's just a few of the things, just to give you a little snapshot of how God's been moving in us, through us, and amongst us. We had World Mandate, which was this incredible time of gathering hundreds of people here at our South Campus and getting the heart of God for what he's doing in our city, but not just here, but also the nations of the earth. And what was amazing about it is we had hundreds of people gathered, not just from our church here, but from churches all over the city, getting the heart of God for what he's doing in the nations. That's some good news. In the face of this COVID pandemic craziness, we were able to feed frontline workers, send supplies, letters of hope to those who were at high risk. We were able to engage in meetings at the highest level of our city on how the church should be leading out in these uncertain times. We launched Jesus Hour, which is an hour-long prayer meeting that happens to Monday, uh, or excuse me, Tuesdays through Thursdays. Uh, I actually think it's Monday to Thursday. Am I wrong about that? Tuesday to Thursday, um, Tuesday to Thursday, it's a time of prayer and intercession uh, because the undercurrent of everything we do here at Antioch is prayer. And we're believing that this year five, we're going to have more than just a couple of hours a week of that happening. Can I get an amen? Uh, we, we also launched an online campus. What's up, online people? We're so glad that you are with us. We have literally had thousands of people tuning in uh, since we've launched this thing uh, from all over the world. Here's a few of the countries, Philippines, West Africa, all over America. It's amazing what God has been doing through the online platform. Isn't it cool how God will take crazy and make it pretty? Right. We, we never would have done this. Right. But now that we're doing it, God's using it to expand his story and his glory on the earth. Uh, we had a family craft drive when everything shut down suddenly and everyone with children was like, OK, so now what? We were able to give kids 
200 kids actually, art and craft supplies so that they could spend time at home doing stuff and not just breaking stuff. Amen? Uh, it was a great time. Easter celebration is a big deal around here. We take Easter super seriously, and Easter looked super different than we thought it was going to look, right? But do you know that God still moved on Easter? Do you know that we had over a 1,000 people tune in with us that day? Amazing what God did. We saw people make decisions to follow Jesus. God moved in an extraordinary way. And for those of you who took advantage of the opportunity to register online, you got some fresh homemade cookies delivered to you on Easter. uh, And that was amazing. And I just want to shout out our kids department because they have been working overdrive uh, in the midst of all of that has been changed in the midst of them. And, and because we were unable to do kids stuff, we brought kids stuff. If you're wondering what that is, that is God moving in power. Amen. Um, and, 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 and so we were able to bring kids stuff to families with a water balloon bash. Even though we couldn't party with your kids here, we brought the party to your house. And some of the most exciting things have been going on is that, do you know that we started life groups in the midst of the pandemic? Our life group numbers went up in the midst of the pandemic. Here's another really cool thing. We graduated our first discipleship school. Amazing. Led by Dave and Dee Bresman. We had over 60 students graduate from our discipleship school. We have already launched year two of our discipleship school. It's packed. It's amazing. And for the first time ever, Antioch Austin has a church planting school. We have students that are in that school right now, and they are getting ready to be sent all over the world to expand the story of Jesus to those who have never heard. And can I just say, that's just the tip of the iceberg. God is moving. God is moving. And and I just say that I look to year five with just the biggest expectation that we haven't seen anything yet. Amen. I, I cannot wait to see what God does in this coming year. Now, Uh, I also just want to take a minute uh, and acknowledge and thank our overseers here at Antioch. And uh, our overseers, for those of you who don't know, um, we are a young church. We're we're only four years old. And so uh, we have overseers that are on the road to becoming elders, but they kind of serve as our strength, our covering, um, and, and a guide for us as we are navigating through all that God is doing and what he's put on our hearts to believe for. And uh, we've got a few people that are going to be stepping off of that team for this next term. Um, and that, and I just want to thank them. And that's Dave and Dee Bresman, just absolute legends, been serving us. Uh, Philip and Kristen Edwards as well, uh, uh, as well as Wes and Andrea Bolt. And I know the Bolts are watching online. We love you guys. Y'all are amazing. And, and I just want to say that now, this next season, um, our overseers will be uh, the Griffins, my, my wife and I, the Otts, Chris and Christy Otts, uh, Greg and Carolyn Grant, and the Dury Rajas. Uh, they're, they're new to our team, uh, and, and we're so thankful for them. And if you don't know who they are, find out who they are and take them to lunch because you will be a better person for getting time with any of them. Uh, we're so overwhelmed at how much God has richly blessed us uh, with amazing pillars in the faith. 
that can guide us and lead us uh, as we're believing for more than we can ask, hope, or imagine. Amen? All right, well, let's pray. Jesus, thank you uh, that you are moving today, that your presence is here already, uh, that worship was rich. And, and God, I'm asking that you would open our hearts and our minds to be able to receive your word. Lord, we're believing that you have something for us today uh, that is going to change how we live, change how we think, change what we see uh, and change what we can believe for. And so, Lord, we're asking that you would move, that you would get me out of the way, uh, and the truth that you have in store for us today uh, would be what we leave with. And everybody shouted. Uh, well, as you've been hearing, uh, we are in week two of a seven-week series of talks that we are calling our manifesto. Um, now, our manifesto uh, is seven truth statements that is our church's declaration of intent. This, these are the, this is who we are, and this is who we are aiming to be statements, all right? And so if you know them, I want you to say them with me. And if you don't, read them on the screen behind me and just let me be encouraged that, wow, everybody knows what these are. All right? Do we have them on the screen? No? Then just listen to them. And if you know them, then say them with me, and we'll be encouraged. Jesus is our message. Serving is our privilege. Hope is our belief. Honor is our language. Celebration is our soundtrack. Transformation is our byproduct. And generosity is our standard. And last week, we began to lean into the foundational truth that Jesus is our message. And if you missed that, I want to encourage you, go back and listen to it. Because what we did was we really looked at the question that Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, which it says, Jesus said, who do people say the son of man is? And his disciples, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then verse 15, but what about you? What about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And how we answer the who do you say that I am question is the most important question that we will answer in life because it affects everything, not just our eternal fate, but also the foundation that we are building our faith and our life on. And what I want to do today is I actually want to stay in Matthew 16, and, and I want us to look at what happens right after this moment when Jesus presents this question to his guys. And last week we noticed that Jesus, after he asked everyone, who do you say that I am? He looks at his homie Peter. You guys know Pistol Pete, right? <laughs> Speak first, then think, Right? Shoot first, then aim. This is Peter. Peter gets asked, what about you, Peter? Who do you say that I am? And Peter's response was absolutely perfect. He got it exactly right. Peter says, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Now listen to Jesus' reply to Peter. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. You didn't figure this out. 
because I know you, Peter. But, but my Father in heaven, and, and I tell you that you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, uh, you guys have heard me say time and time again, I love Peter because if you ever wondered if God can use you, read about Peter. Because if God can use Peter, God can use you. Okay, I don't know of anybody in this room that's cut off somebody's ear. I don't know anybody in this room who cusses out the wrong people. I don't Peter was absolutely a wild man. Peter did most things incorrectly, but he was also quick to repent. But it's amazing to me that Peter has this blow-away experience, right, where now he's like told by Jesus. You are the rock I'm going to build my church on. Now, we don't know what Peter did, but I can have an inkling that probably after Peter heard that, he looked at the other disciples and he was like, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Don't call me Pete anymore. Call me the rock. Right? That's what probably I would have done. He hears this incredible potential of the promise of God over his life overwhelmed at who God says he is going to be. Now, here's what's amazing, is it doesn't take Peter four verses for the gravity of his Peterness to pull him down from the highs of the promise to the lows of his Peterness. Four verses, Matthew 16, verse 21 says this, from that time, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, he's going to be raised back to life. Peter, the rock, took him aside. Think about this. Peter pulls Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. He said, never, never, Lord. No, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turns to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have the mind, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the entire world, yet to forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with angels, and then he will, be re- he will reward each person according to what he has done. You know what this moment shows us? You know what this moment shows us when Peter says to Jesus, come here, Jesus. I know that I just said that you are God. 
I know that I just said that you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. But I want you to come here really quick because what you just said, I'm not going to let happen. Do you know what that moment shows us? It's regardless of what God has spoken over us, we have a human tendency to try to escape pain. There's a human tendency in all of us to try to escape pain, to try to dodge hard things, to self-protect, right? That's built into us. And, and Peter wanted to protect Jesus from having to suffer because humans don't like the idea of suffering and sacrifice. We don't like those ideas. No, that's not what fires us up. What fires us up is it's going to make life easy. This is going to be comfortable. That's what we like. That's what we're drawn to. Look, we don't drift towards sacrifice. We don't drift. Humans don't drift towards pain. We drift towards easy. We drift towards comfortable. And, and the hatred for all things hard and painful, painful was so loud in Peter that he was not even able to hear what Jesus was really saying. Because all he heard was, I'm going to have to suffer, things are going to be hard, and I'm going to have to die. He missed the whole part where it says, I'm going to be raised from the dead. He couldn't even hear it because he was like, no, 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 we don't do hard things. We don't drift towards hard. We have to fight to be, or sorry, we do drift towards hard. We have to fight to move to give more. We, we have to, to fight to drift towards selfless living. We don't have to fight to drift towards hoarding what we have. That comes very, very easy. And this is the deprived human condition, meaning that it is our corrupt reality in light of the fallen world that we live in. And Jesus, although being fully God, became a man. And it says that in his coming to earth, he was fully God and fully man. And what that means is, is that he was tempted, yet he resisted all that the world has to offer. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. This explains why Jesus was so harsh with Peter. This gives us full context for why he looked at Peter in the midst of Peter saying, look, don't do this. You don't have to do this, Lord. Never, Lord, am I going to allow this to happen to you. And Jesus' response of get behind me, Satan, was because he knew in his humanity that the stumbling block was not to give himself but to save himself. The stumbling block for Jesus. The human concern is how can I protect myself? The human concern, the mindset on the human concerns is how can I save myself from doing things that are hard? How can I save myself from giving what I have? How can I save myself from having to do things that are difficult for me? And Jesus, feeling 
this temptation. Looked at Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. That's how strong the temptation was for Jesus. That he looked at one of his best friends and he says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block for me. This idea of self-protection is a stumbling block for me. And you don't have your mind set on the concerns of God. We don't drift towards hard. We drift towards easy. And so Jesus tells us in verse 45, if you want to save your life, lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. He's saying that if you don't point your life, if you don't put in the coordinates to live a selfless, generous life, that's never the direction you're going to go. It's never where you're you're not going to end up where you actually want to. To end up. You know, when the iPhone came out, it did a lot of amazing things for us. Can we just get an amen for that? Now, if you don't use an iPhone, we're going to have specific ministry for you over here at the end of the service. But when the iPhone came out, it made so many things so simple that used to be so stressful. Like finding where you're supposed to go. What's so sad is the people that are learning to drive now, they don't know the pit in your stomach of being lost. Now, anybody in the house remember what it felt like to be lost? Dude, I remember getting so turned around that I didn't even know where I was to be able to ask for help on how to get back to where I'm supposed to go. Anybody else? And you're just like sitting at a gas station going, I don't even know where to tell them to tell me to go. Like I, I, like I am literally, I might just need to purchase a house here because the, like the, there's no way I'm going to find my way back to where I need to go. When the iPhone came out and all of a sudden a GPS became like not something that people had in fancy cars to something that everybody could have in their pocket, like this, this whole concept of being lost was just evaporated from humanity. But have you also been led astray by your phone? Dude, I totally had been led astray by my phone. Like, I remember one time I was preaching, I was doing a wedding, and they, they're like, here's where you need to be, and they sent me a pen. How many of you have been lied to by pens before? Okay? They sent me a pen. I'm driving down the road, and I get that notification, you have arrived at your destination. I look around, I'm like, I don't think I have. Because there is nothing here. I literally am in the middle of a field. And it says, you have arrived at your destination. I'm like, I don't think I'm the first person here. And if I am, I'm going to leave because I don't want to get duped into being in the setup committee. (laughs) Right? How many of you have been following your GPS? You ended up where it told you you were supposed to be, and you realize that's actually not where I want to be. This is what happens when we don't set the trajectory in our lives. If the pin that we're driving towards in our life 
is not to give our life away. We're not going to naturally find it. We're going to look up and we're going to go, man, this is not where I want to be. You're going to hear that you've arrived at your destination and you're going to look up and go, I don't know if I have. And we see this happen in culture all of the time, don't we? We see this happen to people that have all the things that we think that we need to be able to feel like we're safe and okay. And they have them and they get there and they get that notification in their spirit of you have arrived at your destination and they look around and they're like, I don't know if I have. And, and what happens is, is those people, the, the small percentage of people that come to the end of their life with all of the things that they have hoarded and kept and held on to, they will oftentimes realize this is not what I thought it was going to be. I'm not feeling what I thought I was going to feel. I've arrived at the destination I thought I wanted to be at. And as I'm looking around, I'm realizing this is not really where I want to be. And so they spend the last years of their lives giving away everything that they had hoarded when they were living. Proverbs eleven twenty five puts this reality very clear. It says a generous person will prosper. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is why you will hear us say a lot around here that there is nothing better for you to do than to serve somebody and serve the church. To be generous with your life. And it's not because we need you. Because we have a deep conviction as a core team. And it comes out of Philippians 4.19. For my God will provide all of our needs according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. We believe that we have all that we need to see that see God do all that he's called us to do. But we believe that we want you. We don't need you. We want you. We want you to come alive in God. We want you to experience God in the wildest dreams that you have in your life. We want your heart to be full. We want the life that Jesus has for you to be exciting and impacting. We want you to be refreshed. We want you to live. We want you to thrive in who God has called you to be. And we find that place, that destination of that is not something that we will drift to naturally. That's a coordinate that we must meticulously program into our souls because we don't drift towards giving our life away. We drift towards preserving our life. Hear me, partial surrender will lead you down the road of a dead heart. I know this personally. So many times I will be in life and I will start feeling stuck. Like, man, what is happening? Everything seems difficult. Nothing seems to just be moving forward in my life. I feel like I'm in this weird holding pattern in the temptation when it feels like life gets hard, gets even stronger to self-protect and not to live selfless. And I can tell you that time and time again, 
That, that, that when I have felt so stuck and, and so just like just in a funk, just like, man, I, I don't know what's going on right now. I can't figure out where it's ways up and what ways down. In, in, in my times of stuckness, I needed to connect to being selfless. Because it was losing my life where I found my life. I needed to serve somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I needed to serve somebody in my place of need. Because a generous person, what? Prospers. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. You know, and I look around this room, and I know so many of you are in your living rooms right now watching this, and, and I just get so excited at the potential of what God is doing here. It's amazing, man. I love it. I, 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 get, I get lost in it because each and every one of you were made on purpose for a purpose. You were made on purpose for a purpose for this moment. And when all of us bring what we have, when we bring what we have, we become the church that God's called us to be. Let me put it to you this way. We, we, we don't need you, but we want you. And we long for all of us to be so fully alive in God that our, palant, our talents and our skills are just pouring out of us, painting just the most beautiful picture of the glory of God in our city. And we believe that so goes Austin, so goes the world. Amen? It's fun to think about when God had this church in mind, he had you in mind in the middle of it. We have a phrase that we say a lot around here. We actually have a neon sign of it over there. It says, can you believe we get to do this? You maybe have heard us say that. If you've been on a serve team, you've definitely heard us say it. And the reason why we say it is because it's a declaration in the face of our human tendency to self-protect. It's a statement of, man, no, 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 I'm not going to allow the drawing, the drifting of trying to protect myself to steal away from the opportunity that I have to give all of myself, not just to this church, but to those who are around me, my neighbors, this city, because serving is our privilege. Serving is our privilege. We're not going to allow the stumbling block of self-preservation to steal the life that Jesus has for us and being a people that serve with everything that we have because Jesus is worthy of our everything. Now, let me just take a minute for all the weary in the house. Can I get an amen? If there was a word over 2020, I know in the Hebrew calendar, 2020 is the year of the mouth. I wonder if it should be the year of the weary. If there was a word over 2020, I think it could be tired of all that we have to navigate through and struggle through and fight through and how everything that used to be normal is not normal. It's just exhausting. 
And if you're anything like me, you're hearing this message this morning and you're like, you know what? You're like, there's a yes in my spirit. I'm in, but my flesh is like, dude, there's nothing left. We're just trying to get through Zoom calls on Monday without cussing at children. Anybody else? Any honest parents in the house? I know some of you parents are like, I'm loving this season. Yeah, not one. I love school. I love it. I love school. And you're like, man, how, how in the world am I supposed to give? I, I don't have anything left. I'm, I am exhausted. Not just like tired, I need a nap. Like my soul is tired. Anybody's soul tired? Like you're like, can I believe that there's going to be some good that comes out of America again? Can I believe that there can really be some, some unity in our cities that feel like they're being divided at the core? And you just get fatigued from leaning in and being like, nah, just like I have faith that the best is yet to come in the face of disappointment and destruction. That God is in the boat with me in this storm. But there's some fatigue that is built into believing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus speaks directly to you and he speaks directly to me. In Matthew 11 verse 28 says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the chaos and in the weariness that we're feeling, let's not confuse rest and preservation. You hearing what I'm saying, church? Y'all are quiet today, but I'm just taking that as like a, a sign that this is hitting you so deep that you're all getting like soul tattoos right now. Don't confuse rest and preservation. Because Jesus says, take my yoke on me. Take my yoke on me. You know what a yoke is used for? A yoke is used to do work. Jesus says, take my yoke on take take the yoke that I have for you and it's not going to be heavy because you're not going to be carrying it alone because because I'm going to be with you we have to fight against this stumbling block in the deception of self preservation but but when we find that life is to be lived for others. That we need to live our lives giving everything that we have away, giving all that we have, all that we've seen Jesus do in us, just like open-handed, just giving it away so that the glory of God can come from us and through us because when we are tired, we get refreshed when we give things away. When we get weary, the temptation is to do nothing, and it just leads to a dead heart. That's why Jesus, in the midst of being fully man yet fully God, saw the temptation to self-protect and, and, and to save himself, and he said, no, no, no. I'm not going to allow that stumbling block, the concerns of humanity, to distract me from the purpose that is on my life which is to give everything that I have for the glory of the Father in heaven. Because those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
You know, there are so many ways that you can jump into what's happening here at church. And I want to encourage you, don't be a spectator, be a participator. Because we want you to come alive. We want you to come alive in all that God's called you to be. Because you alive in God means that our church is going to be alive in God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the opportunity for us is to be so overwhelmed at the goodness of God that there's nothing that will stand in the way of his story and his glory being so noticed in our city. So let me encourage you, get in a life group. We got these new things called interest groups that are launching here in a couple of weeks. Man, they're so cool. We got stuff like bass fishing and just like mountain biking. There's even like a trail running group, which for all the crazy people in the house. Get involved in a serve team. Do something. Give your life away in some capacity. It doesn't matter how small or how big. Engage in the word of God that those who are generous will be refreshed. Don't confuse your weariness with needing to self-protect. No, your weariness is an opportunity to find refreshment. So there's a couple of things that, that we, we want to do to make it really easy for you to find your spot behind me. You're going to see a QR code. For those of you that are watching online, that QR code is going to pop up on the bottom of your screen. You can right now scan that code that you see, and you're going to be taken right where you need to go to get the information you need to start the first steps to find a place where you can jump in, find a spot, begin to give your life away, and be a generous person. Because generous people find refreshment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you don't want to do that, it's super easy. For those of you who are in the room, right as you leave, there's going to be a Get Connected Here space where there will be part of our team that will be there that will help you take some of those next steps to find your place here. It's not about how little you feel like you have to give. It's about all of us giving what we have. It's not about, oh, I can't give that much. No, no, just give what you have. Oh, I can do one day a month. Cool, give what you have. Because when we all give what we have, we will have more than what we need. So the question from me to you, and I really do believe from God to us is, can you believe we get to do this? Can you believe that we get to do this, that we get to be the church to each other and to our city? Amen? Stand to your feet. I want to pray for us. I know some of you are filling out the form. You're doing that at home. It's amazing. Others of you are already on serve teams. Awesome. And, and we just want to respond because this message does not stop at the doorpost of serving our church. This is a heart message. This is a heart position of being a person that lives a fully surrendered life 
to who Jesus is and who he's called you to be as someone who represents his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want to pray that the glory of God would begin to stir so deeply in you that you would get so overwhelmed and refreshed as you're surrendering your life as a living sacrifice to him, that the glory of God would begin to boil up in you in such a deep way that your weariness begins to fall off of you. Am I talking to anybody? That that, that the things, the chains that are weighing you down that feel like you don't have anything to give begin to shatter at your feet. That the lies that you believe that God cannot use you powerfully becomes erased in the power of his presence. So just lift your hands to heaven. Jesus, I pray right now that the glory of God would overwhelm us and our hearts would be fully surrendered, fully given. Lord, I'm asking right now that there would be an overwhelming sense, Lord, of your presence, your refreshment. Lord, as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to you, as we give what we have, no matter how small we feel like it is or how large we feel like it is, as we give what we have, God, we believe the promise that it's better to give than to receive. God, we believe the promise those who refresh others themselves will be refreshed and so let the weariness begin to fall off and the weight begin to fall off and the lies begin to be erased in the power of your presence and everybody say